Hello and welcome to Hamsa Holistic Healing and Ayurveda Podcast. I'm your host, Sherry, and it is my deepest desire to journey with you down the path to better health, mind, body, and spirit through the practice of mindfulness and spiritual awakening. Here in this sacred space, we will examine how the practice of higher consciousness and self-awareness can actually lead us to an optimal state of physical and spiritual health. We will talk about the various ways to increase our awareness and support one another along this beautiful journey. Thank you for being here and welcome. Hello and welcome to Hamsa Holistic Healing and Ayurveda, episode 12, an introduction to Ayurveda. I realized I'm talking about Ayurveda all the time on all these different episodes of this podcast, and I haven't really given a adequate explanation of Ayurveda. So I am thrilled and honored to speak on this topic, a topic that has become a way of life for me. And I am honored because the ancient wisdom of Ayurveda is such a gift to all living beings. It's humbling, really. You know, the health crisis in this country, as well as globally, really is frightening. Chronic illnesses like type 2 diabetes and heart disease are on the rise at an alarming rate for adults and children. And if we don't change what we're eating and doing, we're headed for disaster. So let's dive in deep into this topic of Ayurveda and see what it's all about. Ayurveda means the knowledge of life. It's ancient wisdom, well over 5,000 years old. It's from India. Ayurveda is a Sanskrit word. It literally means knowledge of life. Ayurveda exists uh, to keep mankind healthy, really, um, while they pursue their spiritual goals. That's originally why it was developed. Ayurveda is not merely a science of disease prevention, but it is a complete medical science and system that aims at healing disease or imbalances within the body. Like all medical sciences, it understands disease in terms of cause, symptoms, and treatment. The Karaka Samhita is India's greatest text on Ayurvedic medicine, and it outlines the same three components of understanding disease as is found in most other symptoms of, of other symptoms, excuse me, systems of healing. It is these three components that Ayurvedic physicians study. Etiology, or the cause of a disease. Um, there must be an understanding of cause in order to approach a cure. Ayurveda looks at the gross or physical causes as well as the subtle or emotional or spiritual causes, which is a little different than Western medicine. Um, maybe Western medicine is starting to catch up, realizing that the emotional and spiritual component of a disease is just as important as the physical part. The second thing is the symptom, uh, the symptomology or the symptoms associated with diseases or imbalances. 
symptoms are the body's way of communicating that something is wrong. They are essentially symptoms, um, the body's voice. The practitioner learns to carefully listen to the body's voice in Ayurveda and to discover the natural um, propensity or uh, the nature of the imbalance within the person. With this understanding, the doctor can design a treatment plan based on that knowledge. The third, the third thing is uh, the therapeutics in Ayurveda. Uh, therapeutics is the understanding of how to treat and manage disease. Ayurvedic therapeutics are based on the relationship between the patient and their environment. Health is the natural end result of living in harmony. Disease is the natural and end result of living out of harmony. Healing is the process of returning to harmony. So the knowledge of knowing what is harmonious and what is disharmonious is the science of therapeutics and is used in Ayurveda. Ayurveda is a Sanskrit word and it means the knowledge of life, like I said. The term knowledge of life refers it requires a deeper explanation. Genuine knowledge is not simply the understanding of facts, but a deep knowing of truth. To know something means to become one with that knowledge. This is the highest form of knowing and is called direct perception. Life is more than which invigorates and animates the body. It is also that which invigorates consciousness. It exists in both a gross, physical, and subtle spiritual form. So both the physical body and the spiritual body are looked at and evaluated in Ayurvedic medicine. According to the American Heritage Dictionary, health is defined as the state of an organism functioning normally without disease or abnormality. And conversely, according to the American Heritage Dictionary, disease is an abnormal condition of the organism that impairs normal physiological functioning. This common understanding of disease, while accurate, is limited to an understanding of the physical aspects of our nature only kind of, of, of ignoring the spiritual aspect of our nature. In holistic circles, it is common to define disease in its most literal sense, a lack of ease. And this definition requires an understanding of the word ease. Ease is a lack of obstruction to effort. Effort is the force that moves energy. This energetic interpretation of disease is a valuable understanding and that we are all fundamentally energetic beings. Any problem with the flow of energy through the system is not only certain to cause disease, but defines disease. So understanding what health is, disease can be understood as its opposite. Disease is anything less than perfect health. Any abnormal function of the datus or tissues uh, within the dosha implies disease. 
any disturbance of a person's peace of mind and well-being, no matter how slight, implies disease. The Ayurvedic understanding of disease offers a more sensitive definition than traditional Western medicine. Disease is not only grossly physical, but may be subtle, spiritual, and emotional as well. Let's look at what causes disease according to Ayurveda. This is kind of interesting, and it requires us to take a little bit of responsibility for our situations. So the first Ayurvedic um, outlook on on disease causing is failure of the intellect, meaning our intellect is constantly being used to make decisions, right? So we base our decisions on what we have learned, infer, and think to be true. When we listen deeply inside of ourselves, we find that we know how to act in ways that would bring us towards health and peace of mind. Yes, we often do not follow what we know to be true. So this would mean like when we choose to stay up too late, eat too much food, eat the wrong foods, drink too much alcohol, smoke, partake in other such unhealthy behaviors, in spite of the fact that we know we will not feel optimal after that behavior. This causes us to become sick. So it's the failure of the intellect. We know better, but we do it anyway. The second is change or motion. So motion, motion is time. And that's right as, as um, there's no such thing as time without motion, uh, without motion. Time is merely a measurement of motion. Motion causes disease. As we age, we move through a process of transformation from youth to middle age to older age. As we age, the body begins to decay. We become weaker and more frail, and eventually we break down. This concept is based on the understanding that there are two kinds of time, One is linear and the other is biological. Linear time is based on the movement of the earth on its axis and our movement around the sun. So it's scientific. It's, it's legit. Like it's going on and we can't control it. With each revolution, days and years accumulate and time passes. Linear time is out of our control and there's not much we can do about it. It's just how it goes. However, then there is biological time. The pace of biological time changes in response to our motion. As motion increases, the rate of biological time increases. In other words, the body ages faster when we are moving faster, and it ages more slowly when we slow down. Hence, we all need to slow down and learn to chill out so that we can have a little control over our biological aging process. The third is the pleasing of our senses. When we forget about the soul part of us and when we become beings who only exist to please our senses, we tend to act from a place of pleasure, maybe not intellectual 
good decision-making. Our senses are the vehicles through which we relate to the world around us. They are portals or gateways into our body or mind in our consciousness. We are constantly taking in energetics and physical impressions. These impressions are either harmonious or disharmonious in relation to a person's constitution. They either bring a person towards harmony and health or towards disharmony and disease. When people take into their body that which does not match their constitution, they are considered to be misusing their senses. In addition to taking in what is not harmonious, a person may also take in too much or too little of what is energetically harmonious for that person. And this too will cause imbalance and then lead to disease. Well, the three causes we just noted are the fundamental causes of disease. In the Karaka Samhita notes that from another perspective, disease has five causes. These are Vata, Pitta, Kapha, Rajas, and Thomas. Now, in other podcasts, I have discussed and hit on um, the three doshas, vata, pitta, kapha. And so I'm not going to talk today about rajas and tamas, um, but I will come back to that in a different podcast. I want to stick uh, strictly to the three doshas, vata, pitta, kapha, in this particular podcast today. There's so much information that it's best to take it in just small doses so we really understand. Before we start, though, to discuss the three doshas, we have to start by looking at the 20 attributes of all matter. The Ayurvedic doctor sees the world as a combination of attributes or qualities. There are 20 in all, and they are grouped as 10 pairs of opposites. By understanding the qualities inherent within matter, the physical nature of the matter is known and the interactions between the two different forms of matter can be predicted. This knowledge is essential to the Ayurvedic practitioner and forms the basis for understanding the nature of the patient, the nature of the disease, and the nature of the healing or the remedies. All matter is made up of the five elements. Hence, to understand the five elements at a deeper level, it is useful to know their qualities. Here is a description that I will discuss with you, um, the qualities and their applications to the elements. Okay. So there are five elements and they are air, ether, fire, water, and earth. The 10 pairs of opposites or qualities are as follows. There's cold and hot, moist and dry, heavy and light, gross and subtle, dense and flowing, static and mobile, dull and sharp, soft and hard, smooth and rough, and cloudy and clear. Now, let's break down the five elements, um, and then maybe we can start to understand how this is all going to come together. Earth is solid and stable. Water is flowing and liquid. Fire is light and heat and transformation. Air is idea and motion. And ether is the idea of connectedness and space. So now let's look at the constitution of a person. 
We hit on this a little bit in other podcasts, but we're going to kind of dig in here. The Prakruti, or the original constitution of a person, is given a lot of importance in Ayurveda medicine. This is a person's doshic balance at the time of their conception, and it is unique to every person. It is the original state of balance for that person. So to further explain the Prakruti, or original constitution of a person, we'll look at it like this. People have tendencies that influence the thickness of their skin, the length of their fingers, the shape of their palm, the strength of their digestion. There are tendencies towards or against every bodily feature and physiological function. And so in addition, there are tendencies towards a specific personality type as well, and even how a person will react emotionally to stress. We have tendencies to be introverted or extroverted, excitable or calm, intense or laid back. And this is all due to the code of the original constitution of a person or their prakruti. And it does not usually change throughout a person's lifetime. The three doshas, vata, pitta, and kapha, are the physiological forces of the body. The person's constitution is defined in terms of the inherent balance of these three doshas. It is the interplay between these doshas that is responsible for both body type and personality. And this is why no two people are exactly the same, because we have unique blends of the three doshas. To know a person's constitution is to know their tendencies. If a person knows their tendencies, they can take the action that keep their tendencies in check. A person who knows that they have a tendency to feel cold easily, for instance, avoids becoming cold by wearing more clothing or drinking warm beverages. To know your constitutional tendencies is to be empowered with the knowledge needed to create balance in your life. Every living creature has all three doshas within them. We cannot exist without a certain amount of each. Kapha provides each of us with tissues. Pitta provides metabolic action. And Vata allows us to move and express ourselves. So let's start to dive in deeper into the qualities of the three doshas. Vata dosha is the force within the body responsible for all motion. It is made up of air and ether. Vata qualities reflect its elements, and as such, it is light, cold, dry, mobile, subtle, and rough. Within a person's body, Vata creates these qualities, and hence the body reflects that constitution. So for me, I am highly Vata, and so I have these qualities within me. I'm kind of airy. I'm always cold. My skin is very dry. I move about a lot. And, um, it's, it's just a quality of a person's personality and their physical makeup as well. Vata's most important, um, residence or where it's located, where the Vata, um, dosha is located, located in the body is the large intestine. However, it is prevalent in the small intestine as well, the kidneys, as well as the organs of the pelvic cavity including the bladder, the uterus, and the ovaries. 
Vata is in the pores of the bones, the ears, nerves, and thighs. When Vata increases above its natural amount in the body, its primary symptom is pain. However, since Vata governs movement, another important symptom of Vata disturbance is any abnormal excess of motion, which includes twitching, rapid breathing, rapid heart rate, or tremors. Next, we have the Pitta Dosha, and it is the force in the body that is responsible for digestion and metabolism. It is made up predominantly of fire along with a small amount of water. Its principal quality is heat. However, it is also light, slightly oily, unstable, and sharp. The nature of the Pitta individual reflects these qualities. So, for instance, a highly Pitta person will probably be quite muscular in build, uh, a type A personality, maybe a short fuse, quick to anger, highly motivated, very, um, can be aggressive, not always a bad thing, but um, they tend to be a, a little bit heated. They're kind of opinionated. They can kind of, you know, we're opposed to like the Vata personality is more like creative, you know, airspace, um, more um, uh, person with Vata is more um, spontaneous. Pittas are more uh, function better, like with a strict schedule and time and things like that. Pitta's most important uh, or primary location um, in the body is found in the lower half of the stomach and the small intestine. It houses the main digestive fire or agni. However, the blood, the eyes, the skin, and the sweat glands, liver, and spleen are additional areas that are governed by pitta dosha. When pitta increases, there is an excess of heat in the body. And this may produce uh, like in inflammation, inflammatory diseases, uh, reddening in the eyes and skin, as well as a buildup of heat in the liver and spleen. And then we have last but not least, we have the kapha dosha. And kapha is the force behind the structure and stability of the body. It is made up of water and earth elements, and as such, its qualities combined these two elements together, and so kapha is heavy and cold and moist and static and smooth and soft, and these qualities manifest within the body and physiology of a person with a predominance of kapha in their constitution. So a kapha person that's heavily kapha would be uh, slower, more, um, not so quick to move. Um, they tend to be sometimes a little bit heavier and thicker in their body structure. They're usually compassionate and slow to anger, but they're also not as motivated. So they can sometimes be kind of, um, inert, um, not really that motivated or going after things, um, in a way, they they tend to be very laid back, and um, they're not really too physically active, let's say. Uh, the kapha location in the body is in the upper half of the stomach, 
and here it is responsible for the production of mucus. Kapha is also located in the chest, the mouth, the throat, the head, and the plasma, in the uh, synovial membranes of the joints. So it's very lubricating, kapha. When kapha is out of balance, its chief symptom is swelling because it has all that water element inside. However, other important signs of kapha imbalance include weight gain and excessive mucus production. So now that we know a little bit, a a little bit more about the three doshas, vata, pitta, kapha, let's take a quick look at their overall effect on our bodies. So this is just kind of a general overall statement. Rule number one, anything that combines with uh, pitta dosha becomes hot. When pitta mixes with a vata person, will likely have qualities that are hot, light, and dry. When pitta combines with a kapha person, they will have qualities that are hot, heavy, and moist. So it's the, co- the combining of the two doshas and the elements that make them up. Rule number two, anything that combines with kapha becomes he- heavy. When kapha mixes with a pitta person, they will likely have the qualities that are heavy, hot, and moist. And when kapha mixes with a vata person, they will generally have qualities that are heavy, dry, and cold. So let's take a brief look at the dosha imbalance symptoms. So the symptoms of each imbalance in each dosha. Symptoms of a vata dosha imbalance uh, will reflect an increase in the qualities associated with vata. So uh, a person with high vata will be very thin, um, maybe have tremors, they'll, be, they'll experience coldness, constipation, distension, insomnia, disorientation or confusion, um, incoherent speech patterns, dizziness, depression, hyperactivity, and a lot of pain. A lot of times pain, it's not really um, traceable. So it's kind of just like an overall kind of pain, maybe pain like a fibromyalgia kind of pain. Osteoporosis is another big uh, high vata vitiation or imbalance symptom. Symptoms of a pitta imbalance, these are symptoms that will reflect an increase in the qualities of pitta dosha. And they are as follows, yellow coloring or jaundice, excessive hunger or thirst, burning sensations, difficulty sleeping, fever, bleeding, excessive discharges or excess discharges of sweat and urine. And why that is, is because pitta is a hot quality. It's a hot dosha. And we actually lose body heat through sweat and urine. So that's why you'll see an increase of those two activities in the body when pitta is high. It's the body's natural way of trying to cool itself down. And then we move to kapha. Symptoms of a kapha imbalance Um, And these reflect in the kapha dosha inside 
uh, a person's body that has high kapha dosha. They are as follows, nausea, lethargy, heaviness of the body and the mind, white coloring or a very pale complexion, chills, congestion, and excessive sleeping. So that heaviness of earth and water quality of kapha makes the person really heavy and sluggish, let's say. You can also have very sluggish bowel movements, which are like one bowel movement like every few days. So as you can see, it's important to understand your original constitution, your prakruti, um, your imbalances, and then to know that like increases like. And so if you have an imbalance in one of the doshas and you understand the qualities and the elements that make up that dosha, you can adjust your diet and exercise and daily rituals to the opposite to affect the imbalance of that dosha. And in Ayurveda, it is very important to know yourself and to know your dosha combination. And then you should be able to adjust and to bring yourself back into balance. And ultimately, we're our own healers. I mean, that's what Ayurveda is about. So say a person who is having a pitta imbalance. Their pitta is too high. They might experience burning indigestion or very warm body temperature or quick to anger if we speak to the emotional component, just really high strung and just kind of angry and aggressive, um, you know, uh, very opinionated and kind of, um, you know, coming at the other person maybe. Um, that would be an example of a pitta dosha that's too high. And so knowing that pitta is the qualities that we named, right? It's hot, it's, it's, um, mobile. It's, um, it tends to have those hot kind of qualities. We would adjust our diet to foods that are cooler in nature, cucumbers, watermelon. Um, we wouldn't eat spicy foods. We would eat sweeter things to sweeten up that pitta vitiation of too high pitta. Say we were a vata, uh, imbalance and our vata is too high. So we are just not able to stick with one thing for very long. We're feeling really um, spontaneous and impulsive, not making really great choices. We might be feeling really, really cold inside our bodies, um, really dry. Our skin is like really dry and rough and just not feeling grounded. Then a person with that kind of imbalance, that's vata too high, would adjust their diet to warm, heavier foods, more oily foods, such as oatmeal with ghee in the morning, um, soups or heavier grains or legumes like lentils, um, th- and, and doing more grounding exercises grounding yoga or warm oil rubbed on the body is really grounding to vatas who are too high. I'm just trying to give you examples. And if a kapha person is too high and kapha is too high, the earth and water element 
they should lighten up. So their food should be lighter. So they could maybe do more salads, um, maybe um, lighter foods like fruits and vegetables are really light in, in energy and light in qualities. And so you just kind of make your adjustments. You know, maybe they could go for an invigorating walk, kafas that are too high, to kind of rev up and get them going because they're, they're feeling that heavy earth water quality in them. So those are just some examples. It's, it's, of course, we're talking about people who are imbalanced, not to the point of disease. When we start to get into the diseases of the imbalanced doshas, well, that becomes a little bit more complicated. And we start to add, as Ayurvedic counselors and practitioners, we start to add in help from the herbal world and the spice world. And you'll be amazed at the power in herbs and spices as healing uh, modalities. Herbs, teas, and just combination of herbs. It's amazing. And I am going to have on a guest on December 13th, uh, Dr. Mary Alice Quinn. She's an Ayurvedic practitioner. And she is really heavily, she's an herbalist as well, and a really smart lady. And she was my teacher. And she's going to explain um, the medicinal properties of herbs and spices in that podcast. So I'm really looking forward to talking to her about that. So I hope this was a good introduction, at least to the three doshas and Ayurveda medicine in general, and how it really works with mother nature and the elements and the qualities of those elements, because we are part of the universe and part of mother nature. We are no different than the animal world, the plant world. We're all living beings. That's what we are. And so it, it combines all of that together, Ayurveda. And it's such a beautiful, beautiful, uh, medical system that I believe deeply in because it makes sense and it works and it's not harming your body. It's supporting your ability for your body to heal itself. And I love that. So I am Sherry Berjanski. I am a certified Ayurvedic health counselor. I am also currently an Ayurvedic practitioner student. So I recently signed up to uh, embark on my journey to become an Ayurvedic doctor. I'm super excited. It's going to be a long few years ahead of me, but I am dedicated to the cause and I am dedicated to Ayurveda. So I'm excited to announce that. And along the way, I will share um, the knowledge that I learn and have wonderful, inspiring guests that are Ayurvedic doctors and um, healers. Um, and I'm excited to share their knowledge and wisdom with you as well. Um, I offer free 15-minute one-on-one Ayurvedic consultations to assess your current imbalance and your original constitution, your prakruti. I do that via Zoom or in person uh, to restore health and balance to your body and mind. Uh, you can find me uh, on my website, Hamsa Holistic Healing and Ayurveda.com, or on Facebook, Sherry Berjanski. And, you know, I invite you to come and visit my studio um, and treat yourself to some healing um, practices. 
It's, we have to take care of ourselves and love ourselves first so that we can give to others. So taking care of yourself is not selfish. It's necessary. And to love yourself and to want yourself to be as healthy and in balance and happy as you can be. And um, that's pretty easy if you follow Ayurveda life. So I thank you. And I thank you for listening to my podcast. I hope that I am in some way helping and changing someone's um, life. I know that I myself listened to podcasts when I began this journey. And the knowledge and wisdom I learned um, was unbelievable. And it's the generosity of people in the community, in Ayurveda, yoga, um, meditation, um, the beautiful attitude of sharing knowledge. And it's not about the money. It's about sharing knowledge with our fellow humans and that we might make a difference. We just might make a difference. All of us, we all have some wisdom to share. And so I hope that my little contribution helps um, someone along the way. Um, I thank you and I look forward to uh, our time together next time on Hamsa Holistic Healing and Ayurveda. Until next time, be well, make good food choices, take care of yourselves. Namaste.